the incomparable. Number 122. 2012 Farewell. Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is a special episode of The Incomparable where we're looking back at 2012, but it's not a clip show. It's not a rerun. It's all new stuff, plus a few clips from the past because it's fun. We're going to tell you about stuff we liked this year, some of our favorite books and TV shows and movies and comics and stuff like that. We're also going to talk about some of our favorite moments from the podcast from the last year. So sit back and I hope you enjoy this look at 2012 as we move into 2013. And joining me for this episode are Dan Morin, Glenn Fleischman, John Syracusa, Serenity Caldwell, Steve Lutz, Lisa Schmeiser, and Scott McNulty. So let's get started. We started this year with uh, episode 73 of The Incomparable, and uh, we're going to finish at roughly 121. Damn, we make a lot of... There's a lot of... Well, you do one a week. Podcasts. That's a lot of yakking. I was, I was going to say we make a lot of crap, but... Yeah, it's worse when you have to edit them. Let me well, tell you. There's that, too. This is all gold. Gold. The supercut is really going to be something. Um, I, so I asked on, uh, on the internet, I asked oh. listeners... What their favorite? Do we, uh, do we still have those? We do a few. They're go- they're they're about to die as the world comes oh, no. to an end. But Clinton but, from Australia only likes me. Yes. Before they went, they uh, they gave us some feedback. Um, Adam Whirl said, "Was the Empire Strikes Back episode this year? No, it no. wasn't. Sorry, <laughs> that episode Incorrect. is every year, Jason. Uh, we should yes, just rerun just... it like a Christmas story, twenty four hours a day. It's a Christmas <laughs> tradition. That's a beautiful yeah. thing about podcasts. You can play them back anytime." Uh, he said he liked the Jonathan Colton episode and liked listening to John on Miyazaki. I was also on that episode, but he didn't like to listen to me, apparently. He liked the John parts. He liked John's parts of the Miyazaki episode. Uh, Rodney Simba Masarir, I think, uh, he said the TV draft and uh, and casting, was that this year? It doesn't matter. It should win every year. <laughs> thank you. Also, not this year, but thank you. We're, Is we're, it possible we're, we've shamaloned ourselves? Our first year was really good, but after that, yes. But but Rodney had the right answer, which is it doesn't matter. It wins every year anyway. So, um, Dylan uh, Giovanetto says the uh, con con and con mo- moment from episode eighty for the uh, the film festival, uh, which actually was this year. Good, which actually was in, in 2012. Good stuff. German angel movies included. He said some glenning there. <laughs> oh, man. Going science fiction, then into screwball, then into cons. Yeah. But not that con. Right. So. Scott Scott starts with con. <laughs> Where, where's James Con and all this? I uh, had James Con in my movie. No, he's in Godfather. Yeah, he's in The Godfather. <gasps> Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, well, there we go. Con, mm. cons, and con. It's it's really the con film festival at this point. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, wow. 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 Oh. I'm in terrible pain now. No, that was amazing. Thumbs up to Snow. <laughs> Thumbs up to Snow. Jason, I... Wow. <laughs> it was sitting right there, guys. Yeah, I thought of it, too, but I didn't say it. That's called restraint, Jason. I didn't even see it. Didn't even see it. Wow. Our, our uh, Michael Gartenberg, who was actually on the uh, Star Trek II episode, uh, said that he liked when Inatko took over uh, the Avengers episode. Well, and then think... several other people said, don't don't you mean the worst thing that happened on the podcast this year? Yeah, that was not one of our, our popular moments in many places. No. 
No, that was that that episode. That's that's in some ways my least favorite episode that we've done, mostly because I felt like it kind of got out of ha- out of hand, and not everybody, uh, you know, it became more of us trying to like debate with Andy rather than talk about what we were talking about, and it's you know, oh well, live and learn. When the Avengers two comes out, we'll do another one. Oh man, <laughs> oh yeah, we're, we're we're right there. It prevented our uh, planned White Christmas episode at any rate, so yes. it's got that going for it. <laughs> Fred Kishi uh, or Kish, depending. On he's a real man. Or, I'm going I, to I guess it's not Kish. Mm. I prefer Kish. Frederick Kishi? I think I read his philosophy when I was <laughs> No. <laughs> Stop making fun of the listeners. Uh, he liked, you started it. He liked, uh, he said, very well read hobos. Um, Schrodinger's cat <laughs> How box. How dare he? He means the, he means the episode <laughs> means named the episode. that, right? Not actually very well Spine, read. Hobos. Spinal Tap, Wrath of Khan, the Red Shirts episode. He's just listing all the episodes. He liked them all. Um, he said every episode. <laughs> you are right, Fred. Had something to make me laugh. Brian Hamilton said the Joe the Joko episode, obscure ref- references and sadness. Thanks for getting me into Jonathan Colton. He says that was very nice. You're welcome. Uh, our work here is done. Glinton Phillips, uh, the man who is making the Scott McNulty supercut. I haven't heard an update on that in a while, by the way. I he might have finally He's, given up Scott's hope. Scott's been very quiet. He's working on it. Scott, don't talk anymore. You'll make more work for him. Uh, he said he liked oh, no. the Kids Have Bad Taste episode where we talked about what we uh, what we expose our kids to in terms of I w- uh, media. I, w- I, w- I was not on that episode. <laughs> he didn't That's have why to. He liked yeah, it. he didn't have to use that, it. That was why he liked it so much. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right, Scott. You have bad taste too. And he he actually listed some favorite moments. He likes when uh, Andy says the Avengers is like Michael Bay's Transformers movies, and everybody suddenly gets <laughs> yes. quite irate. Again, it wasn't an awful movie. It was just your basic Transformers two style. Oh, makes a lot of money. Lots of lots of flashing lights. No, 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 no. I think you need to watch Transformers two again. Um, he liked an After Dark. Uh, number 154 when everybody does an impression of Scott McNulty saying hello instead hello. of saying recording. <laughs> hello. That is, a, that is a classic. <laughs> it angered me. Instead of saying recording, we should all uh, imitate Scott McNulty saying, saying hello. 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 And he also liked the Insular Nerdosphere episode where we talked about uh, John Scalzi and the the Hugos and sci-fi fandom voting for itself for awards like you know nominating feed for things and stuff like that horrible things uh eric christensen uh said he enjoyed me haha finally somebody's <laughs> on my side describing the scene in uh in uh return of the jedi where luke is attempting to explain his relationship with her the force is strong in my family i have it my father has it my sister are you following along, you dunce? He just wants to talk to Leia so badly about this, and she's just not getting the hint, and is like, all right, come on, please. No, see, I view that as being Luke's like, what, wait, 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 what's the most dramatic way I could tell her this? I could just run up to her and say, Leia, I found out that you're my sister, Darth Vader's her father, oh God. But no, 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 let me stretch it out. Let me make it a little more dramatic. Let's say, Darth Vader's here, remember Darth Vader? He's a bad guy? Yeah, okay. Guess what? Guess what? The force is strong in my family. I know that seems unrelated, but wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Darth Vader's my father. <gasps> no, no, no. That's not it. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> he starts out the conversation with, like, I never remembered my mother. Oh, my sister has it. Her name is Gail. She lives in Oregon. She's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, and the thing that really gets me about that is that Leia's trying to process it all, and I, I'm really, she, and she says, 
I know. I know. Somehow I've always known. And really? It's like, you know, what she should be saying there is, wait a second. Are you saying that Darth Vader is my <laughs> father? Yeah. Holy crap. Right. And, but no, she's like, I've always known. And we and we made out that one time. I knew then, too. But that was I was just getting Han jealous. He also loved John talking about the Jedi philosophy of pacifism. So two two moments from our Return of the Jedi episode. And he also uh, credits Lisa Schmeiser's laugh, which is infectious. And that is true. We've all been infected by Lisa's laugh. Hence the apocalypse. Yeah. (laughs) There is no cure. And and I want to acknowledge uh, listener Doug Leak, who suggested that we talk about uh, movie trailers. That's a good idea. We'll take that under advisement. Uh, The stupid idea, as it turns out. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, Doug. Yeah. So uh, you guys have any uh, anything that you want to recommend from the incomparable or from the world at large from uh, 2012 before we uh, cast it into uh, oblivion? I did my homework and I made a big list of notes here. Yes, John. You said one a favorite thing or two from 2012 and a favorite thing from the incomparable. Oh, please share. John's totally the teacher's pet. He always showed up with his homework done. Oh, it's I'm true. saying, like, mm-hmm. I come come prepared. I don't know if anyone else is, takes his email seriously. Here's an apple, Jason. I, I got a big I got a big list here too. But go ahead, John. Some All of right, us are I'll, do, I'll do my do my Not quickly. Me. So I never prepared for class. <laughs> uh, my favorite things from 2012. Uh, I mean, these are easy to guess, but. You know what? What's my number one, guys? Um, Star Trek related? No, Journey. <laughs> come on. Oh, Journey. Journey. Of course, Journey. it's Journey. That was a good episode. The video game Journey the for band? the PlayStation Three, yeah. not the band, not the incredible Journey with the dog and the cat. Then we touched. You know. Then we sang. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that the video game specifically is what I'm talking about. That's the best game I played in 2012 by a long shot, and it's easily in my gaming top ten. And depending on what I feel like when I wake up in the morning, sometimes it's my number one. Uh, so big thumbs up there. Uh, yeah, I know you like that, didn't you, Scott? I did. <laughs> Just for you. And we know we know what he likes. You know, he likes Columbo and bathroom humor. All right, hey, uh, perfect together. <laughs> uh, and and on what my second pick for the uh, things I like this year is like I, I watch a lot of TV, but if you go down like the shows that I have season passes for at the top of my season pass list, or you know, past, present, and future. The Sopranos, The Wire, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Boardwalk Empire, Walking Dead. Like, those are not exactly laugh fests. They're, you know, there's not a comedy in the bunch. It's all kind of like gritty adult drama, fantasy, sci-fi, you know. Uh, and I've basically given up on sitcoms entirely, except for 30 Rock and stuff, because uh, Tina Fey is awesome. Uh, so when I look back at 2012, the one show that really stood out is not all those other shows I listed that were great and everything, but it's HBO's Girls, because it's the closest I came to something that was, you know, uh, I don't know happy like it's not a completely a comedy it's more of a dramedy or whatever but it was it's you know quirky and uh, interesting and offbeat and people don't get their heads chopped off and nobody's a zombie uh <laughs> and it's not about organized crime uh and i i really like it you know it was a nice change of pace so that's why it stands out because it's like wow this other thing you know and uh the show could also be called like uh, you know lena dunham presents lena dunham's girls by lena dunham by lena dunham a lena dunham joint because she what does she do she created it she produces it she writes it and she stars in it all mm. of which i didn't know when i watched the series so uh, i am a big giant fan of her uh despite her all of her flaws as an actress uh, and a writer and probably as a person they all just make her uh, more endearing so uh, those are my th- those are my two picks for 2012 and my incomparable picks quickly 
surprise the journey show yeah, i was yeah. excited that we had a show i was very touched that everyone managed to find a way to play it despite not having playstations and i was glad that everyone seemed to like it so i didn't have an avengers moment <laughs> on that episode when you all tell me it was it was terrible uh and i really like i really like the way music was added into that episode uh, i think we should do more of that i say that as a person who never added doesn't the have yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah so take that into advisement it, it helped that somebody who was involved in that actually like set sent me specific recommendations for what songs to play at what times that, that would helped. be me jason more wilhelm yeah. screen See, i did help look at that i've contributed i tell you here here's here's the audio clips and here's where you put them and i go to town yep. <laughs> i'm supervising and i you went to that, town you know how that is jason uh and i also like princess Anna jones and who cares what we think uh, I liked Princess Indiana Jones because we got to talk about a movie and then we talked about a meta topic about the movie. We should do more of that if we yeah. have time. Like, and, See, there, uh, there you go. You're helping already. Yeah, and who cares what we think? I liked a meta show that was about the show. How could you not like The 100th it? episode, yeah. That was a good yep. one. That was on my list. That's great. I'm I, done. I like the Journey show too. Yeah, that was fun. It was a good episode. Dan? Yeah, I um. there were a couple moments... I uh, that I like this year. We wrapped up our Star Wars trilogy. I like the Return of the Jedi episode, especially. I went went back and listened to it earlier, and I liked the beginning where we all sing the Fox fanfare. Oh yeah. Anything where we make sound effects and noises, anything with a horse with a hat on it, clearly I'm very easy. Here's my problem is I can't remember a lot of things. That's we've, really tough. We've had a lot of singing and sound effects come from us this year. It's very strange. I don't know what's wrong with us. I don't either, but I think we might have some sort of collective disorder. We had the probe droid in Empire. That was one of the early. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I, I was like, oh, man, was that this year? I can recommend that again because it's like one of the few moments I actually remember. No, it was last year. Damn it. it. Last... I think I may have given it as my favorite moment from last year on the last on the on the wrap up thing for last year. So can I throw up my favorite moment moment from a podcast? Yes, please. God, I, I, you know, I, I was racking my brains, and then it, it popped into my head because I just, I love this moment, and I'm trying to remember exactly where you put it in. I think it may be at the beginning of one of one of the Empire episodes, which is everybody's impression of a Imperial probe droid. Oh yes, that's at the beginning of one of the Empire episodes, and then the other, the other one ends with yes, largely yes. you doing your series of sound effects from <laughs> Empire Dan Strikes Moore Back. Star Wars soundboard. <laughs> Um, I'll also throw out uh, our live episode at Singleton where we made Lex Friedman talk about Indiana Jones despite not having not seen, seen any of the movies. <laughs> Uh, Lex hasn't seen it. Alternately, great Lex, and awful. Lex said to me, "Why did you make me do that?" And I said, "Because I thought it was funny. I didn't think you you just because I thought it would be funny to have you up there saying, I don't know, I haven't.' <laughs> what are your impressions? It's, it's alternately, it's alternately hilarious and incredibly painful at the same time. <laughs> and Lex Friedman, who hasn't seen them, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> Lex hasn't seen it. <laughs> that's that's Lex has seen many movies. It's it's not true that he's not seen any movies. He just hasn't seen any movies that anybody else has seen. Right. I, basically, there was a, a large gap in the 80s and early 90s when if a movie was fantastical, my parents weren't interested, and they were the arbiters of what we got to watch at home, so I didn't see it. So, Lex... And I haven't made up for that lost time. 
What do you know about Indiana Jones? I want to start before we start talking about these movies. I would like to quiz you about. This is like you've you seen that YouTube video about the three-year-old explaining Star Wars. Yeah, this is basically the same thing. Yes, only yeah. I'm 31. <laughs> it's other than that, it's exactly the same. This is what I know. I know it stars Harrison Ford. I believe Sean Connery. I just is told in you that. Yes, Sean Connery is in one of the movies. Was in the fourth one that people don't like that had the nuclear bomb that he hides from in a refrigerator. Right. Um, You're doing great so far. Yes. It's like I, you've seen them. In the first one, I think it's the first one. I don't know which title goes with which movie, but in the first one, <laughs> oh there's the big boulder that he runs away from. Yes. And uh, everything I know about the first movie I know from UHF. And there's a thing where he's got a bag of sand that he's got to replace the weight, and he's got to time it right yes. so that the So you've seen happen. the Weird Al Yankovic parody of yes. the movie, but not the actual movie. And I know there's one other thing. Oh, the, um, I know that at the end... The, the Nazis, spoiler alert, get fried when the Ark of the Covenant opens. I know that happens. That right. is approximately ba- he, the extent He has of basically my seen it. Why do we not yet have a 30s style drop of somebody going, Lex hasn't seen it? I'm thinking we about can it. Plop in yeah. every given episode. I, I'm sure Lex would perform that for you. Yeah. Um, as for things that I uh, consumed this year, it was a. It was not a great year for a lot of stuff. Like television, I was just looking through my television list. And it's like, oh, there's a lot of good stuff I'm watching, but it's all into, you know, second seasons, third seasons, etc. Um, and there was really, as we discussed in our TV episode, not a lot good that was new this year. Um, and Revolution. I need to go back to writing down the books I actually, and movies I actually watch because I honestly can't remember anything I saw or read this year. Um, I have a very bad memory for those things. Um, but I did like, um, there are a couple things I did like. I played some video games, including Journey, which I really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, I guess there was some good stuff and some stuff I don't remember. That's about it. <laughs> you were, you were disappointed. <laughs> I have very good, I have a very good memory for certain things, which include people's faces and names. I have a terrible memory for things that happened in books and movies and television shows, even though I like all of those things. We need to perform an experiment. Both Scott and Dan read a book, and then we wait a week, and then we ask each person <laughs> questions about the book to see who remembers less. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will take part in this. <laughs> I will as well. Just because the, the first question will be, I read that book? <laughs> <laughs> and if there's a movie adaptation, you can put Lex in there, too. I was just, I was just watching, just doing some catch-up on um, Homeland, the second season, which I hadn't finished watching. I'd sort of let the last five or six episodes build up. Turn um, back. And we were watching them, <laughs> and and you know, I had to keep having my, my viewing companion like say, oh, yeah, don't you remember when that thing happened? And I was like... No, <laughs> I don't remember anything. Did, wait, did you know about recap, that guy? Like, and then, they recap like the whole season, the beginning of each one of those shows. Though. Not, but there were like little details like, oh, wait, did we ever learn that this guy knows this thing? And she's like, yeah, like four episodes ago. I was like, I don't know. I have no recollection of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's, make, a, it's a problem. Life simpler, Dan. Yeah, there's not a lot of baggage there. I like to live in the moment. Happy <laughs> birthday. Yeah, it's my birthday. Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> Happy I don't think I've seen. There we go. I don't think I've seen. There you go. Much, much better impression. Scott, what about you? Uh, I enjoyed the uh, Star Trek Two episode. Uh, oh, and me too. Mostly uh, that was a good episode. This is SETI Alpha Five. Uh, I enjoyed that. It is. Oh. That was good. That was fun. We, in addition to singing and making sound effects, we also we screamed. <laughs> this is SETI Alpha Five a lot. Yes, as you do. Because SETI Alpha 5 is a back one. This is SETI Alpha 5! 
Uh, and one of my coworkers hadn't seen any of the Star Trek movies before the reboot, and he said, well, which Star Trek movie should I start with? And I said, clearly, Wrath of Khan. So I lent him the Blu-ray. Oh, man. See, but and... you wrecked it. You should have told him any other film, and then you have something <laughs> to look forward to. <laughs> well, I told him not the first one. Good God. Uh, and uh, and then so the next day I said, oh, well, did, did you like Wrath of Khan? What did you think? And he said, mm, it was all right. And I said, never speak to me again. <laughs> <laughs> We're no longer co-workers. Exactly. Uh, I, I liked the, um, the 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 game show episode. I enjoyed. Ah, oh, the April was Fool's episode. Year? Yes, that yeah, was yeah. this year. Oh my god, that was this year. Game show. Yes. Team old and team young. Team young. Woo. Yeah, it was good times. I I enjoyed that. I also liked the uh, the, the the meta episode about why we do this. That's good. And I enjoy all the book club episodes because it makes me read. Things that I would have read anyway, since I suggest all the books. But still, yes. <laughs> thank you, Scott. The one we did on the how we read too—that was good. Oh yeah, that was good. That was good. Suggested by a listener, right? So yes, yeah, suggest- oh, suggest- God, listeners, keep bringing it in. Suggested I like the stuff you listener. guys suggest. Very well read hobos. That was that's the name of that episode. I was going to make a joke about your how you read show. It was one word after the next, but that's not actually how everyone on the show read. So forget about that. Some read diagonally. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lie. Pretty sneaky, sis. <laughs> uh, and as for other things that I have, have read or watched, uh, television has been kind of lackluster for me this year. Yeah. Haven't seen many movies, but I've read a lot of books, so I could talk about some. Uh, I think I, I liked The Night Circus, which we read for an episode. Uh, that was a highlight of this year for me. Yeah. Um, the Rook by Daniel O'Malley is a fun book. Uh, we haven't spoken about it, but uh, look it up on the internet, so I'm not going to explain it to you. Uh, the Hydrogen Sonata, Ian M. Banks' latest culture book. It's a lot of fun if you've read any of the culture books. Even if you haven't read any of the culture books, it's a good place to, to jump into it. Uh, I spent a lot of time reading uh, a, a K.J. Parker books, uh, which I've spoken about before. I've read like seven of them this year, uh, so check them out. Uh, I also enjoyed more than other people on this podcast, The Cloud Atlas. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not naming any names, but... Uh, the book, not the movie. The book. I haven't seen the movie, so who knows? Uh, my book uh, did not star Tom Hanks, so I was happy about that. Uh, and yeah, the, 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 that covers it for me. All right. That's good. Steve, what about you? Uh, I only put down one cool thing about 2012, because just in general, 2012 sort of blew for me. Yeah. Fair enough. But... Um, the the one cool thing I put down, actually, in keeping with last year's clip show episode, uh, it's it's another new thing. New things. Yes, that's right. It's new to you. That's all that matters. This was the year that I discovered Star Trek. It's true. Aww. Yes. Yes. Shortly after uh, after we did our uh, Wrath of Khan episode, um, I had, I had mentioned previously that uh, my daughter and I were kind of going through a few Twilight Zone episodes. And just one night I suggested, you know, instead of doing Twilight Zone, I've been thinking about going through the original series of Star Trek and kind of checking it out. Um, You want to watch one of these? She said, okay, sure, why not? So we put it on, and she is completely hooked. Uh, Excellent. Uh, Nine-year-old girl, completely hooked on Star Trek, Um, which is great because it means uh, I don't have to worry about boys for at least another 15 (laughs) years. (laughs) Until all those nerd boys get up the... uh... Get the courage. Yeah, I know how to deal with them, though. <laughs> yeah, pants. Having been one myself, <laughs> yeah. I can easily handle them. 
since it's the uh, the football team guys that I wouldn't be able to manage, but uh, there's no problem there because she's a big Star Trek fan. <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, you know, we'd, uh, towards the end of the year here, I would uh, recommend at night before she'd go to bed, hey, you want to watch uh, Miracle on 34th Street? Uh, why don't we watch a Christmas show? Let's watch Rudolph. Let's watch, um, uh, how about a Christmas story? She would say, no, Star Trek. Uh-huh. <laughs> And we are no. we are almost uh, almost done with season two right now, and and about to drift into season three. Oh, Steve, it's it's all downhill from there. I gotta say, I'm prepared for some downhill. Uh, <laughs> yeah, season three season is not three, that good because I, there I, have been an awful lot of downhills in seasons one and two <laughs> that I've already put up with. Yeah, you do 28 or 30 episodes a year, which is insane, like they did, and uh, and yeah, it's it's variable. But it, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, what if Star Trek had stayed on the air for longer? And I keep thinking. There's yeah, a reason it didn't. They needed that third season to get into syndication to make all those other things happen. But that third season itself, really not very good. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into a whole episode here yeah. on Star Trek, the original series. We'll do that. I think we there's a good that. chance that might happen sometime it in the future. might happen. I, I've, got the, uh, I've got the Blu-rays of the first two seasons. And they look since they shot that on you know nice, high-quality film, and then they scanned it all in, it looks great. It's the, it looks fantastic. Yeah, but it's yeah. funny. We've we've gotten very into the the original series of Star Trek, and we'll probably once we're done with that, because she's she seems to be still interested midway through the second season. We'll probably continue on with uh, the films, and then maybe on into um, the next generation. Next generation, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Right. I described it to her as uh, like the Twilight Zone in space, and it pretty much is <laughs> in that whole first season. In fact, a lot of the same writers and some some of the same directors pop yeah. up, and William Shatner. And yeah, and Shatner, right? He's yeah. in like three or four Twilight Zone episodes. So that, that's pretty much it for uh, for external to the incomparable items okay. in 2012. Now, as far as the incomparable goes, I have a favorite episode and some favorite moments. My favorite episode I- this year, it's a toss up, but I got to go with the criminally underappreciated game show episode, which was uh, which was already mentioned. I'm proud of that because I that that I threw like every single kind of crap that i could think of in yes. that episode yes yes it's like it some shows. of it stuck it's to the wall it's a bucket it's a bucket show that show is full of crap. it's more complicated than like risk it's like got eight different games in it happening simultaneously with a parallel universe and yeah so i'm glad you liked it because well i liked it and and it's it helps for me because i was so god-awful sick at the time that I can actually listen to it and I have no no recollection of it having participated <laughs> in it. So it's a big surprise to me. But I was, I was kind of surprised. You know, we've had uh, even some of our weirder episodes, we've had a lot of feedback from people on Twitter and the game show episode kind of got dropped and there was just nothing. Yeah. Or maybe one or two people responded on Twitter, but it was, it was pretty quiet and I thought it was a pretty darn good episode. It was very entertaining. I agree. People who did who don't remember it, you should go back. If you maybe you were sick and you couldn't it's, remember anything about it, listen again because you know yes. it'll be new to the you. First time. Yeah, so deep in the throes of typhoid was I that that having the old farts perform a Cheech and Chong sketch seemed like a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's it's flooding yeah. back. Oh, you know what? Wow. <laughs> that's, that's why people don't like it. Yeah, some of those. It didn't go well. You just had to wait for them to. In, in the pre-show rehearsal, it was it was snappy patter. It was like a you know back and forth, and it was funnier than hell. And then by the time that the episode started, the Skype skew had kicked in. Uh, you should you should have recorded the pre-show uh, rehearsal, and I could have just yeah. slid that in there as. If oh, hey! It was. By the way, Jason, thanks a lot for not tightening that up at all in post-processing. <laughs> so it sounded sort Steve, of semi. He's going for uh, verisimilitude. You know, that was tightened Steve, up. Steve, that's the. This is 
the Alpha it, Five. It, it, this is exactly <laughs> how crappy it happens. Steve, I gotta, I gotta be honest. You may, you may not remember it. It is actually tightened up a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> they called it the Seti Alpha Five of of uh, bad skits. One, yeah. one, of, one of you was tightened up. That's this fair. is the game show episode. Now you've made me sad. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I will continue anyway. Um, so as far as favorite moments from various episodes, first of all, are we going to do clips in this, uh, in sure. this episode? Sure, sure. Right. John Syracuse then, says it's great when you drop clips in yeah. an episode. <laughs> then I'm going to pick the part in the 2011 clip show episode where we played the Skeletor <laughs> clip. <laughs> and my, goal, my goal is to create a recursive yeah, a clip loop. <laughs> That eventually takes over the entire annual clip show podcast if we survive You've that long. You've been watching too much Star Trek, Steve. Don't send him to a cornfield. Steve, I loved I loved it when we remembered how funny <laughs> Skeletor was from last year in this year's clip show that looked back yes. on last year. So listener Lori liked the uh canceled TV show draft, but she says the TV character draft made her laugh from beginning to end. So I guess my favorite moment, Steve, was the drafting of Skeletor. Yes. Listener Janice <laughs> said, I laughed so much at the character draft that my sister thought I was nuts. Well, there's a good chance. You're of that, welcome. Actually. Listener Chad wrote in simply saying, Skeletor! Yes. <laughs> what else needs to be said? Really? Well, I'm going to go with one then that's uh, that's close to my heart for various reasons, and uh, I know somebody's just raring to pick him, so I better grab him now. I'm going to pick uh, pick Skeletor from the Masters of the Universe <laughs> cartoon series. Sorry, I did not see that coming. Uh, that should, he shouldn't he be on the show with Tom Servo. Well, the beauty of Skeletor is that he can die every week and yet miraculously reappear from under the pile of rocks that he was buried under in subsequent weeks. So if Anthony tries to send Skeletor to the cornfield, what happens? He's back the next week. That's well, the tension of the show. No spoilers. No spoilers. All right. I'll wait it's for your, your premise. Eagerly. It's crucial wow. to my plot, which, uh, which uh, I look forward to uh, making up on the can tomorrow. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's appropriate. It, it's, Skeletor is the alpha and the omega of our podcast. He True. won that draft by killing everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I'm hoping this episode actually airs in 2013 so that I can then pick... Yes. In the 2014 clip show, the 2013 <laughs> clip Tricky. of me picking the clip where we played the Skeletor clip. Good luck, future Steve. All right. Oh, Other favorite yeah. moments. Uh, I thought the quick, the Jonathan Coulton cameo at the end of episode 98 was hilarious. Hilarious and cruel. Uh, we should get more famous people to pop in and say one sentence. <laughs> Well, I want to say thank you to everybody, uh, A, for putting up with me, but B, for a very interesting talk about Jonathan Coulton. So thank you, John, Scott, and Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Lex. Thank you, Lex. Sure. And um, that's it. <laughs> I don't know how Jason ends these things. Hey, guys, I happen to have the man himself, Jonathan Colton, right here with me. And uh, he has something that he'd like to say to you. I heard what you were saying. You know nothing of my work. I mean, how you got to record a podcast about anything is totally amazing. Oh, if only real life worked like this. And then, uh, actually, my real favorite moment from this year was probably the After Dark from the movie draft. Because I think uh, the funniest moments are the parts where we just go completely bug nuts insane. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that particular After Dark has the uh, the old prospector. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
And it also has the bit where uh, where Jason realizes that the only way he's going to finally get get us off the call is to kill us off one by <laughs> one, <laughs> which is just a brilliant sequence, and uh, and makes me laugh every time I hear it. I've probably played that after dark more than. <laughs> I go back every once in a while and play that because there's a lot of good stuff in that. that, that you're right. I remember that. That that was a great one. I'm here to join in the podcast. Yeah. Do the prospective voice. Well, I just movie. figured because Raiders is already done, I'm done with my, my selections. Lex is out. That's okay, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Even without me, this will be the wildest podcast in the wilderness. <laughs> I might not use that, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would you not use that? That was, was gold. Gold. beautiful. That was, that was gold. gold. That's that would be the new spoiler horn. That would be yes. the fastest. <laughs> it's the spoiler squeal. Yeah. Is the it does sound like someone who just like you just got spoiled on a movie, right? Who <laughs> <laughs> was the spoiler, spoiler horn? Spoiler horn. <laughs> At least when you spoil My yourself. My father was the Wilhelm yes. scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> What did you have left? Ah! <laughs> 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 uh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, you hang up first. No, Star Trek Two. No, you hang up no, first. You. Good night. No, you. No, you. Oh. I just want to talk about Star Trek Two right, for no. me. <laughs> 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 this will never end. <laughs> oh, it'll end when I God. say so. Uh, oh. Ah! Who's the, who's the sucker who hung up? Glenn. Oh, Glenn. Oh, Glenn. Who's higher? Could that be the title of this podcast, by the way? Could be titled a podcast. Ah! <laughs> is this what happens when I don't cancel the podcast? Is that nobody hangs yes. up? People just yes. yep. we just we the last one out. Push the button. No. Nope. Nope. I'm going to go get a margarita. talking about me. Don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm already home. Like Survivor, we had to hold everyone with the hand on the big idol. Time. Time. Oh, yeah. It is like Survivor. You never know Ooh. who's gonna who's gonna go La- next. Last person to take the hand off the idol. See, I I am as the initiator of the call. I can actually hang people up now. See, oh. I'm like the god of the Skype call. Oh, Jason's getting it. Are you a, a tiny vengeful, vengeful god? god. You yeah, should high pitch voice. Ah! Take us off one by one. Whoa, whoa. So does that mean John Syracuse is gone? Oh, oh, history. oh, who did it? This Wuss. is like uh, and then there were five, <laughs> seven little <laughs> Indians. This is a locked Skype murder mystery. It is. is Skype a transmitter for talking to God? <laughs> That's very clever, Dan. Who will please be next? Let's talk oh, about dear. Dan. His movie sucked. Let's talk That's about true. Dan, baby. He's still Raiders. Did, yeah, He's not my good did book you re- anymore. Did you really do Ooh. that, Steve? What? Did you just sing parody lyrics to Let's Talk About Sex? I did. And they involved more. Oh, no. Well played. I think I know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, it's just the two of you now. Hmm. We are your favorites. Or my least favorites. Oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, one or the other. I'm going to bow out now early uh, without that displeases invoking me. the wrath of... <laughs> I win! Yeah, that was a whole great... The whole film festival thing ended up being much... Uh, Whack, wackier than I expected, and God, and, we got uh, like six hours of content out of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like if that. you look at the at, at the archive, we ended up doing a recap of it the next week when we had had assembled our our schedules, and it says part three of two. Because <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's the, the increasingly it's, inaccurately named two part <laughs> episode. Yes, that is very exactly. Telling. So that's it for 2012, man. It all, all right. pretty much sucked. Other than that, other than that, fair yeah. enough.
Lisa Schmeiser, I uh, I come to you now to ask uh, things you liked. Sure. Uh, let's start with TV. I really liked the show Arrow, which... Wow, which I, I dashed off in like two sentences when we talked about fall TV. I said it was better than I thought, but it wasn't very interesting. So tell me more. I've, I I uh, binged on it on Hulu over um, a couple of days, and I've, I've caught up all the way to the ninth episode. And there are a number of reasons I like it. First of all, Susanna Thompson, who plays uh, Oliver Queen's mother, is fantastic. I think she's one of the most underrated actresses working on TV right now because she was also very good on Kings. She has a certain presence where she manages to simultaneously convey a sort of uh, professional warmth, you know, a la Gwyneth Paltrow, who does Pepper Potts. But at the same time, you can always see the wheels turning and there's this undercurrent of menace in her performance that is just riveting. So Arrow's worth watching for that. The action sequences are great and they've managed to take some of the best parts of the Green Arrow mythos and um, discard some of the really ridiculous stuff. And it's it's a little bit more intelligent than most CW shows. Uh, the, 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 only, the only quibble I have about that's it... A, that's a low bar, is that but one, yes. Yeah, well, no, but you know they scale it easily. The only quibble I have is that it, once again there's like a cabal of people who run the who who run everything, and they have to be brought to justice. And I'm just getting really tired of the one world conspiracy as as a conceit in TV shows. But it's it's light entertainment. It might be a good um, comic adjacent way to get into the Green Arrow, um, especially if you were to go to like, like one of your nerdly comic friends and say, "Okay, I really like the show." Um, then the person can say, oh, great, you know, read the Longbow Hunters, or, oh, great, read the Kevin Smith run, or what have you, and it sort of fits into that whole continuum. And, again, it's not thinky entertainment. You know, you're not going to watch it and come away all, well, this is a metaphor for, uh, you know, humanity. <laughs> I've learned something it, about, the arrow taught me something important about man's inhumanity to man. It's not one of, you know, it's not one of these shows where people, where, where critics are going to endlessly witter on like they do about Mad Men, or... Um, sure. Breaking Bad. Knows, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, this is actually the year I got the appreciation for what I'd call mid-level TV or comfort TV because I, I became a huge fan of both Alphas and Haven on the Sci-Fi channel. Um, and, and those are certainly shows where you can kind of dip in and out. There's a little bit of mythology, but every episode is kind of self-contained with, you know, Freaky Mutant of the Week. I was sick a few weeks back and I was thinking, what do I want to watch? And I could have watched Breaking Bad. I could have watched Mad Men. And I ended up yeah, watching no. some season one episodes of Supernatural because yeah. the fact is there's some shows that, that you want to watch when you're you're laying on the couch under a blanket and don't feel well. And, and it's not necessarily the highest art that you want. Yeah. It's chicken noodle soup, and sometimes that's all you want is is at the end of a long day when you when you've used your brain and then you've had to match what's with the toddler and you've probably lost. Um, <laughs> then you know you just want something that's oh look it's a story I want to see how it turns out. So other uh, other stuff. Do you have any books or comics or other things that or movies? Okay, uh, movies. Let's see, I enjoyed the Avengers as a spectacle a lot. Um, you know, I realize you can drive um, a helicarrier through some of the plot holes. And there's a lot that, and there's a lot that doesn't make sense. And you know, fan service, fan service, ad yeah. infinitum. But it was a lot. It was a lot of fun to watch, and it was fun to see so many charismatic and good actors in one place doing doing entertainment. You know, I've seen it. I've um, seen it three times now because I bought the Blu-ray. And uh, yes, you're right. All the there are lots of criticisms you can level at it. And the fact is, I enjoy it's it every still time. Fun. Yeah, every time. Um, in terms of comics. Continue to really enjoy Scalped, even though it, it ended this year. It wrapped up, and I swear I'm probably the only person in America who's talking about it. Um, loved that. Loved Lock and Key, which we read for Comic Book yeah, Club. Yeah, we're going to do have to talk yes, about. The forthcoming. 20, in 2013, <laughs> we will talk about Lock and Key in the next Comic Book Club. That's a promise. Yes. And, and love that. And um, I should mention, in, in case I don't mention it uh, later, since you're on the subject of comics, that I, I really enjoyed Greg Pak's, um 
uh, Extreme X-Men, which is a terrible title, yes. but it's totally oh. <laughs> fun, crazy, par- parallel universe hopping X-Men with a Xavier floating head in a jar. And that's that's what I want for my <laughs> comics is, is that yeah. level of kind of craziness. Any uh, podcast related uh, thoughts for the past year? I think. I think the podcast I had the most fun on this year actually was the parenting one. And one of the reasons I did, and um, pardon me for veering into amateur sociology, but I think that um, the practice of mothering in the U.S. is slightly different than the practice of fathering in part because there's so much media aimed at mothers and, and the practice of, and, and, you know, are you doing this right? Are you doing that right? And it was so nice to, to hang with a bunch of people who are like, eh, you know what? They're, they're small people and we just do this with them. I don't beat myself up over it. I'm, I'm not worried about how this is going to play out 20 years down the line and I'm not judging myself by it. And it was, it was eye opening to, it was eye opening to realize that, um, to realize the gulf in parenting cultures as it was. And, and I, I enjoyed the experience a lot. So, so I think that was my favorite. Yeah. We got a nice, um, a nice comment from Adam Highland, who has, uh, written to us a bunch as the, uh, Proton K. Yes. The real Proton K, uh, or Protonk as we sometimes like to say. And, uh, his pick for best 2012 moment was in the parenting episode, which I thought this was nice. I loved despite my fears, about parenting-related podcasts, um, and uh, enjoyed Lisa Schmeiser's growing mix of delight, horror, and fascination upon hearing John Syracuse's plan for indoctrinating his children in the correct ordering and framing of the Star Wars movies. It's the Nicene Creed, <laughs> he says. <laughs> Which is funny. It's true. He just had his, this planned out like he had actually sat down and thought, all right, yeah. how am I going to do this? And, and this is what we deeply believe as a family. <laughs> yeah, you've got, a, you've got the idea that maybe there were some storyboards there. My main concern was to... Ensure that what they thought of as Star Wars was what I thought of as Star Wars. <laughs> and so I knew that once they came became school-aged and like got older, all their friends who have parents that don't know these rules are, are going to be telling them about... <laughs> You know, the prequels and so i had to i had to cement in their little minds that star wars is luke skywalker princess leia han solo chewbacca c3po you know like i had to like that is star wars so that by the time they inevitably enter the world of their peers in kindergarten and you know and regular elementary school and all their friends tell them about all this prequel stuff that will be like like ex- expanded universe John, if you don't explain the prequels to your kids, they're only going to hear about it on the street, man. That's That's the thing. I knew they were going to hear about it from their friends. I just wanted to really lay down those tracks of, like, this is what Star Wars is. And I almost didn't care so much if they were, like, excited and liked it or whatever. I just wanted them to think of their Star Wars, and then this is other crazy stuff. And I know it's weird to use Expanded Universe to explain this, because Expanded Universe is a real thing within the Star Wars universe. But I'm I'm trying to say, let's let's push the prequels out into right. Expanded Right, there's, there's the canon. I, right. There's, and then there's the, like, sort of non, you know, not really canon Right, and Let's I would like push to push those push out the, there. Push the prequels because this, this Star Wars games, like they play Lego Star Wars, all those things. I'm like, yeah, that's nice to have. So what I did was I showed them. This is like the, the Star Wars version of the Nicene Creed, where you've just decided what's doctrine and what's right. not. It's it's, well, yeah. it's, Star, it's Star Wars Amish. I think he's raising them as Star Wars Amish. We believe we believe in one Star Wars in a galaxy far, far away, where Luke Skywalker is the protagonist. I believe in three Star Wars. So I showed my my son, my son, A New Hope first. Oh my God, it's the, the, trinity. the Trinity. The whole 
You know, you run the risk of having the ostracized kids who can't talk the prequels with their little friends on the playground. Be, yeah. Like the kids who didn't have TV. <laughs> They're going to start knocking on doors. Have you heard the cops? Doesn't anyone else have a, like, imagine the little Syracuse on the playground? Like chastising his 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 fellow six year olds that like this is not. There are no the other real movies besides there are only three movies that involve Star Wars. Shun the unbelievers. Only Shun the three. unbelievers. In the name of the son <laughs> and of the father, that's impossible. And of the force oh, no. and the floating Yoda. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so so I thought Adam's comment was great in the sense too that I was a little worried when we talked about parenting stuff too, and I'm glad to hear his comment, which is that you know he he viewed it with dread and then he listened and he and he liked it and i thought that was good i think i thought that was a really nice discussion about how how we as parents deal with uh what we expose our kids to well those are great that's great uh serenity caldwell yes uh do you have uh things that you inhaled into your brain in 2012 that you'd like to tell <laughs> us about that's a phrase that will stay with me forever now from our last I, clip show i am glad that i've been able to you know <laughs> give such a wonderful phrase to the podcast yeah i was looking over my list i've been taking pictures of all of like my ticket stubs and things like that to try and actually remember what movies i saw this year because it's been a very jam-packed i feel like i agree with lisa and that there it's it hasn't really been a super fascinating year for movies and tv but i still feel like i as you like to put it i inhaled a lot into my brain um despite all of that uh i came up with Three movies that really stand out from the past year, and I'll go in order of watching. Um, the first I actually saw at South by Southwest at its South by Southwest premiere, uh, which was Safety Not Guaranteed, which is a very, very cute, uh, cute little time travel film about um, a series of or a couple of kids, well, two kids, two interns. And a news reporter going out basically into the boonies to investigate a guy who's put out a classified ad to, you know, warning. I want to I want to find somebody to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. Must bring your own weapons. And uh, I don't know if you managed to get a chance to see it, Jason, but it is very it is adorable. Uh, It stars uh, Aubrey Plaza from uh, from Parks and Recreation. And she she is so happy in this movie, uh, despite she still has her sort of trademark scowl from Parks and Rec, but it is at the same time a completely different character than you've ever seen her playing. And it's it is such a delightful film to watch, um, both from a good character standpoint and from a oh my god time travel this is so adorable. It reminds me a lot in to- like tonally of. Um, of Johnny Five a little bit, um, which is weird because they've yeah they're no they're nothing alike because there's no robots in this movie sadly but um, spoilers but it's still it's very <laughs> sweet it's very adorable it's a commentary on both time travel movies and living your life and being able to let go of the past and how the past affects your your day to day choices. Uh, so I I really really adored that movie and seeing it at South by Southwest with the cast and a very excited uh, full audience at the Paramount Theater definitely helped and then I saw it again in September um, with Dan Morin and a couple of my friends and I was like no it still is good it's it's a really really sweet film so I encourage everybody who 
did not get a chance to see Safety Not Guaranteed when it's in theaters to go pick it up on iTunes or Amazon because it's it is a great little film. I'm touched that you you said I don't know if Jason you've you've seen it at all. I I don't think I've actually even heard of it. So I will I'll seek it out now. But I, I don't I don't think I even knew about that movie. I mean it was a it was an indie film that uh, played. Played regionally. I don't think it ever got full nationwide uh, nationwide billing in theaters. So but it's definitely on video check now. it out. All right. Yes, it is. Um, so there's that. And then my my other uh, big movie choice would be Moonrise Kingdom, which is another indie film, but I think a few more people saw. Uh, and that is like it's a Wes Anderson movie so when you go when you know that going in you know you're going in for a very specific sort of sort of tale um but it was very it's very sweet it was basically you know fantastic mr fox uh Wes Anderson was actually tackling more or less a fairy tale but i feel like moonrise kingdom is the actual realization of him tackling a fairy tale where he decided let's make a movie about children and how children think and the imaginations and the fleeting, you know, we're going to run away and we're going to found our our own place and we're going to, you know, we're going to be adults and the realization of how that actually translates in the real world. Uh, It was utterly charming, very sweet, very, very Wes Anderson. Um, But I like it's it doesn't quite top Rushmore for me, which is, I think, my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Um, but it comes very close, and it's it is definitely one of those. If people had never watched a Wes Anderson movie, I might recommend Moonrise Kingdom to them over Rushmore, and be like, "This is actually, you know, while it is still very much a Wes Anderson movie, I think it's actually his most um, his most widely um, widely acceptable, like the the best one to sort of give to a wider audience and say, here, this is kind of what Wes Anderson is about.'" Um, don't believe the stereotypes. Huh. So yes, I like that one quite a bit. Royal Tenenbaums is my favorite. Oh, I love oh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Interesting. I didn't like that one. I like Rushmore. Really? A lot. Yeah, I like Rushmore a lot. Rushmore it's Owen Wilson great. and the cowboy hat that just gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> Owen Owen Wilson has uh, great parts in West Anderson movies. I I can't get over him, and he's in Bottle Rocket, I believe. As uh, and then I have to tip my hat towards the Avengers because I really enjoyed that. Um, I love Joss Whedon's yeah. writing. I love well done big movie spectacles. That's like it doesn't it doesn't need to make sense entirely once I walk out of the theater as long as you keep me engaged and involved the entire time while yeah. I'm watching it. Yeah, and, and it did. Yeah. <laughs> yep, he did it, it with a, a bullet. <laughs> that that movie so easily could have been a leaden just you know let's cash in just a bore and awful and i i know andy and Ako think that it was but oh I mean, yeah he put that oh. um he put that thing on twitter the other day like the 63 things that are wrong with the avengers yeah. in under three minutes and oh okay Lord. yes you're fine and and again let, let's <laughs> emphasize they put an archer up against an alien army but it was still so much it fun. fun oh it was my great. god yes yeah you yes. can't help but get a little glee in your heart when you watch somebody firing and you know an arrow that contains a bomb at a giant alien Ship. Yeah, I, w- I was just reading um, Alan Seppenwall's book about um, uh, I think it's like eight series that changed uh, twelve, 12 series that, that changed. Yeah, yeah. The Revolution was televised is the name of it, and I was reading the the Buffy chapter, and he was talking about the Avengers and about um, 
uh, about Serenity too, not the one on the podcast, the movie of the same name. <laughs> and uh, we much know, prefer. He, he reminded version. me. He reminded me that uh, that that Serenity has the same trait that um, the Avengers has in that. Uh, although it's not uh, super serious or anything like that, it's fun. And I remember coming out of that movie thinking, that's the kind of sci-fi movie I want to see. I want to come out being like, God, that was that was so much fun, which is how I left like the Star Wars movies when yes. when I saw those. Mm-hmm. And the Avengers, you know, it's like that. It, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun movie, yeah. There was a comment I read in Wired Magazine about 12 years ago that's always stuck with me, which said, if you want to figure out what scientists are going to do 20 years from now, you should read Sci-Fi Now. Because mm-hmm. if you have a if you have a story with a sense of excitement and fun and discovery, this is what sticks in people's brains, and they want to do that when they grow up. The same way that I think people who went to school the same time Jason and I did, I think we all wanted to be on the space shuttle and living in space for a while. You know, I think everybody had that that astronaut moment in the eighties from Star Wars and the space shuttle and things right. like that. And and like you said, there's a, as much as I enjoy post apocalyptic post apocalyptic sci fi, and I've read a lot of YA dystopia, and and I enjoy that too. There's a lot to be said for for when there's fantasy and adventure and sci-fi where it's like we're in space. Doesn't this kick ass? Yeah. Isn't this cool? You know, mm-hmm. if we, we that there's a lot to be said for that. And there's a Hulk. Yes, and there's a Hulk. <laughs> and there's a Hulk. Yeah, major major ups for uh, solving the Hulk problem, right? Joss Whedon was like, I know how to and do doing the Hulk. it well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Deploy him on a limited basis and make sure he's played by Mark Ruffalo, yeah. who. Mm-hmm. The casting in Avengers was just so good because yep. if 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 they hadn't cast everybody the way they did, it really could have been awful. But you know, if I'm not sure there's anybody I would have recast. No, I think no. no it's not like Watchmen yeah. where you could tick off half the cast and say it would have been better with somebody else. The Avengers, oh, they yeah. got it right. Ren, do you have any uh, any uh, diagonally read uh, books that you'd like to share? <laughs> sure, I have I have a couple actually. So the the two that came out this year and. Funny enough, 2012 was definitely a year for reading books from the past for me. I have a lot. I'm looking at my Goodreads list, and I have a lot of books that I read that are actually from, you know, 5, 10, 15, That's 30, fine. 50 years ago. Yeah. It's all it about was a, what, what you consumed this year, not what came yeah. out this year. Yeah. Um, so the two books that I consumed this year that were actually came out this year is, number one, which I think is probably my favorite book of the year, is um, Aaron Morgenstern's The Night Circus, uh. which – I still need to buy in hardcover because that that is the kind of book that I want on my shelf for the rest of my life and I want to be able to loan it pe- loan to people at will right. because I think it's so perfectly it so perfectly captures the the beauty of a good fantasy story and close-knit relationships. It's such a fascinating book. Um the imagery is so vivid, the writing is almost poetic in its beauty. Uh and it like I I love that book because I can open it up and read a paragraph and be completely subsumed into the world. And not many authors can do that well. And Erin Morgenstern really really showed a talent for doing that. And I'm I cannot wait to see where she's going next. Right. So like that that is my number one book. And I can't like I can't even talk that much about the plot because I just I don't want to spoil anything. It's just more this book is amazing. It really is. Uh, and everybody should go read it. Uh, so that's one. And then another one is actually a, an old and a new book at once, which is to say it's um, Hope Larson's Wrinkle in Time uh, graphic novel, which uh, came out this fall. And I mean, Wrinkle in Time has long been one of my favorite books and was one of my favorite books in childhood. 
And clearly it was one of Hope Larson's as well because she pours so much love and respect for Madeline Langle's work and adapts it so pitch perfectly. Like that is that is a very difficult book to try and adapt into a graphic novel. What I mean, you have the dark thing and you have you have depicting um, the Tesseract alone would be a challenge. Oh my gosh. And she she does it so well. Like I am, I'm really impressed. And in a three tone book too, it's not, you know, it's not in full color. It's, um, it's black and blue and some shades of, some shades of gray. And she just does so much, so much great work. I mean, I've, I've been a fan of Larson since her first graphic novel. Um, but Wrinkle in Time is really, really a masterpiece. Um, and it's something I'm really excited to, you know, I I have some cousins who are smaller and it's very much – I am so excited to be able to start showing them this as a way to sort of get them hooked onto bigger books because I really think, you know, The Wrinkle in Time is a, is a book that is – you know, not – it's written towards children but it has a lot of big ideas and it sort of gets you thinking in a – bigger worldscape and the idea of space and the idea of multidimensional travel and it gets your senses really excited. And to be able to sort of start kids who maybe aren't so interested in reading 400-page books, like, look, here's a graphic novel. It has pretty pictures, but it also has really, really interesting substance to it. Um, so I'm that's definitely a, um, a Christmas present for several of my family members <laughs> this year. Yeah, so the last set of books that I wanted to mention are sort of older older books that I started reading this year. Um one of which was Jasper Ford's Thursday Next series, which of which I had read the fourth book, Something Rotten, in two thousand five on an airplane because I needed something to read and I'm like, Oh, Shakespeare, this sounds like it could be fun and I got hooked, but then subsequently never picked up the other books in the series and had no idea what was going on. So coming back to those books starting from the beginning in 2012 was very strange uh, and very delightful because it is a great series of books for people who love literature and love liter literary in-jokes. Um, it's very, very funny and very British and very Welsh, but uh, but is a great a great series of books, very clever. Um so I'm, I've been enjoying working my way through those. I'm now on the second set of those books. And I think, again, we have a Jasper Ford podcast planned at some point. So I will save most of my rambling for that. Um, and then uh, Neil Stevenson's The Diamond Age I just got through this year. Oh. And yeah, that is a book, you know, I did not think that books at, you know, 25 still had the ability to change the way I think. But uh, Diamond Age is really, really remarkable. Uh, I told you. And, I told you. Yeah, I yes. know. I know. It's not that I didn't believe you. I just had I had so many books to read, and I finally picked that up. And within two chapters, I was completely hooked and just absolutely fascinated by it. So I really, oh. really enjoyed Diamond Age. Another book I've got to get to put on my shelf. Yeah, that book broke my heart. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It is tragic and beautiful oh, and yeah. fascinating all at once. Anything else? A um, couple TV shows. All right. So one I actually just started very recently and just discovered is a very cute little British show called Spy. 
Oh, I love that. It's on Hulu right now. It is on Hulu right now. And I had never heard of it. um, And Hulu got syndication for it for its second season. It might have gotten syndication for its first. For the first. Yeah, it's got all of them. Yeah. Well, it's got all of them, but I didn't didn't actually hear about it until its second season started running. And so one of – one day while I was cleaning my apartment, I had just gotten a television and I and an Apple TV, so I hooked that up and I thought, hey, you know, I want something to to play while I'm cleaning up in the background, and this seems like a suitably adorable show. And I play it and I I was hooked. It's it kind of reminds me a little bit of spaced and a riddle a little bit of arrested development with a side of spooks thrown in. It's a it's a funny little <laughs> amalgam of a show um, with great great character actors it's the the basic plot is there's a you know 30 something guy who has a 10 year old kid he works at a computer store his kid is super brilliant kind of think peter from uh, ender's game and looks down upon his father as being a complete washout and horrible and so his father decides you know what um I'm going to make my son proud of me and also because my my wife and I just divorced, I need to figure out a way to win custody of my son. So I'm going to go and get a better job than working at a computer shop and I'm going to, you know, rise above. And so he applies for a job working uh, for the government and on the day of his uh, his interview, he accidentally wanders into the wrong room and takes an exam uh, that ends up being for MI5. <laughs> so... He ends up becoming part of the service and has to covertly learn how to be an intelligence officer while basically being the bumbling straight man of this ridiculous 22-minute comedy. Uh, and the music is also very catchy. I have it kind of running through my head while I'm talking. It's it's very upbeat, very cute. Um, the The person who plays his son... Um, Jude Wright, who plays Marcus, is just hilarious and has the best facial expressions. And the show is so smart. Um, the this the series ender for the first series, uh, Marcus just whips out the word habitudinous. He's like, "Oh, Tim, you're so habitudinous. I can't take this life anymore." And and it's like at that point, my my heart was was the show's forever. It, it was it's so cute. Another thing I haven't even heard of. Oh, you have to, you have to. Yeah. It's very short. I mean, it's a series of 22 minute episodes and it's very funny. You would enjoy it a lot. All right. I'll put it on the list. Boy, the lists keep getting longer. I'm <laughs> glad there's a whole other year. Because you've watched the IT crowd, right? Yeah, some of it. Probably about half of it. Because, you know, the the boss on the IT crowd, there are shades of him and the boss for MI5. And that, that only makes it more hilarious. All right. New things. New things. New things are great. Things I are also good. liked The Hour this year, although that isn't really, that's less genre, but. Oh, God, we have those stacked up on the DVR. Yeah. We have to get. I liked, I liked The Hour, although that was when uh, BBC America was not on my TV in HD yet, and it was kind of painful to watch them. And I'm then I lost one off the DVR, so I need to, hopefully those will be surfacing on some streaming service that I subscribe to so I can catch up. Or, or maybe when maybe BBC America will repeat them before they show the new episodes. Because I they started across, the series too. Yeah, I like I liked I liked what I saw of it, and then I it kind of got away from me. Um, mm. And you know, it's never it's never uh, you never get tired of seeing Jimmy McNulty speak with an English accent. <laughs> 
uh yeah you know dominic west and he's great and uh oh and i can never remember her name but the female roma lagarai is uh great. is great is great yes i i may have gotten series two from british airing Shh. and i will say it's no spoilers it's a screener only copy yeah exactly just screener copies yeah um that series is really impressive and really builds upon the work they did in series one and i think is much better than series one uh it just i i am now crossing my fingers that they renew it for a third series because it would be very very sad if uh if series two was the last series of the hour so bbc please please renew this show all right do you have any uh what about the podcast any podcast thoughts anything you like from the podcast thoughts um no <laughs> i am enjoying no no podcast thoughts jason i am really enjoying all the books that we've been reading on book club i my my book reading list for the year has been better than it has been in the last five years and i've just i've been reading so much partially because of the incomparable and partially because some of the things we talk about lead me to more books that i haven't read or more shows that i haven't watched and i love the recycling and the you know the growing of new information it it makes it makes me feel very very excited about literature and about geeky things so it's just sort of a general comment um i really liked our um our indian jones episode i liked our sci-fi novel summer reading list oh yeah that was a fun that was a lot of fun um yeah, I, I think I think we had a very good year for the incomparable, and it's it has been a lot of fun to be on, and I I look forward to doing more episodes of 2013. Yay, Glenn Fleischman, do you have any uh, favorite items from 2012? Things that you read or saw or consumed in some way with your brain? I have a, my my brain consumes things sometimes when I'm not even paying attention. I have a number of favorite things this year. Actually, a surprising number, many of which we talked about on this show because things that we like, we talk about here. And uh, I liked Avengers kind of against, not my better judgment, but I hadn't seen any of the lead-in movies to the Avengers. So I went in blind, not having seen Hulk and Captain America or Thor or I don't know how many other Iron Man, like the 15 movies that fed into this movie. And I saw it first in the theater and then I saw it like on on a plane ride, I think on like a seat back. Something to watch. And, you know, I think it's actually a pretty enjoyable movie, despite the massive plot holes about alien invasion. Sure. I thought I just like the character interaction. I think they got such a great mix of people that anytime they're all in a room, I I like that much better than the fight scenes. I'm sure the fight scenes are what sold the movie to a big audience. But there's great chemistry in the movie and and a lot of actually decently uh, interesting moral ideas explored. And I continue to like the relationship between uh, Thor and his adopted brother in that mythology, Loki, and it made me go watch Thor, which I'd heard was widely ridiculed, and I kind of liked Thor. Again, for the same reason, the relationship between those two uh, uh, characters and the two actors are just, I think, have a wonderful, wonderful magic together that transcends some of the cheesiness of both films. You know, it's funny, this episode is rapidly becoming a... uh like our, our making amends for our Avengers episode where, oh, that's funny. where Andy ripped into it because several of us, you know, end up mentioning the Avengers as the thing we liked for this year. But it's for all of the for all of these reasons, I, you know, I agree. So that's uh, yeah, it, it was it, it was fun. It was a, it was a fun movie. 
I'm a big Wreck-It Ralph fan. I've seen it twice in the theaters now, both times in glorious two dimensions. Uh, I know some people had pro- – we did an episode about it. We are going to do an episode about it. Oh, yes. That's right. It's our next episode will be about it. We will have been going to have done such a <laughs> there you go. thing that was done. We didn't pre-tape it. No, 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 no. We're just doing it in the future from the past. That's all. That's right. That's well, we're a time traveling show, so it's perfectly appropriate. It's a great. I thought it was. I I liked it because of the richness of plotting. I think some people found it muddy, uh, and found um, you know some of the plots. A lot of it, I think, uh, rehashed and inexplicable. But I don't know. I went and saw it. um, Just enjoyed it for the spectacle. Liked the music a lot. Liked the core story. Liked the the secondaries, tertiary, quaternary stories, and um, it's actually persuaded me. I finally bought a Blu-ray. Uh, player because I'm like, oh, it's going to come out in Blu-ray and I want to be able to <laughs> buy it and watch it at home in something that approximates even the barest of what I might see in the theater as opposed to a 400-line right. DVD. I want to see something better. So that's I, I think Wreck-It Ralph is one of my my top picks. Partly, I mean, I grew up in that era, so I'm going to like it too, but I felt it didn't pander entirely to me, just, just a lot. I agree. Um, on TV, uh, I was a big fan of Sherlock Season 2. I thought it was... There was one episode. I know what did they do? Three episodes. Yeah, it's the right? curse of the, the season. The middle episode is never good, but yeah. But I still I like the show so much. I was want to cut cut them some slack, and I just loved the woman episode. I've I've watched it several times. It's a wonderful actress, wonderful plot about Irene Adler retold in the modern age. Uh, loved Moriarty the way they integrated that character. Loved the end when they have the battle. Just oh yeah, so many wonderful things so much intelligence um i also liked you know without spoiling it, i liked someone was complaining the other day about the problem of all of the movies that have ridiculous computer deus ex machina scenes someone sits down at a keyboard they tap away it even happens in sherlock there's a bit in another episode of sherlock where it's like what could his password be yeah. oh he's got a bunch of maggie thatcher books he's a maggie thatcher right the password's probably i don't know what it was thatcher or something like that it's like no people don't set passwords that way and government agencies don't let you set them the last episode the moriarty one was very clever because it did have the right payoff for that and it made us rewarded us for enjoying our little schadenfreude and then turned it up back back onto us because they didn't do the obvious thing. Um, that was great. There was something, I think, I don't know if we talked about it all this year, Tron Uprising. Did that come up? Uh, I think you the, mentioned it at some point in passing. It's a terrific show. I'd seen the preview early in the year. I've watched, I don't think I've watched all the episodes by a long shot. I've watched many of the episodes. I heard it might not be returning, but it's an incredibly interesting universe they created from the the tron reboot instead of it being um a continuation of the story it's kind of backstory uh an ordinary what seems to be an ordinary repairman in the tron universe he's repairing light cycles and things he winds up uh apparently having some special abilities he gets tapped he becomes tron 2 essentially he replaces tron because the original tron i'm not sure if this is told in the story itself in the the reboot movie uh is damaged beyond repair but he can yeah so this is this picks up from that where he's part of the ongoing resistance and it's just uh it's elegant it's remember when they brought back batman the animated series uh when they brought that back in the 90s wasn't it they rebooted it's that thing they use silence sometimes it's quiet 
They have these elegant, beautiful scenes. They use the fact that they're in a created universe to their effect as opposed to being constrained by the limits of a physical universe being sort of mapped into a computer space. And uh, clever plots, moral ambiguity, um, real consequences, people die. And what it reminded me of most was a show that so few people know of, Phantom 2040 from the early 90s. Do you recall that? No, I'm one of so many people who don't remember it. I don't even know what's his L. 36 episodes in huh. the 1990s. It was uh, by the guy who later did Eon Flux. It was designed by him. And uh, a show, again, full of a crazy – it was about the Phantom, the, the cartoon character, the Phantom, having awoken from cryosleep or something in 2040. The world's changed. It's sort of dystopic and so full of of – the kind of moral ambiguity you only find typically in difficult-to-read novels <laughs> in German. Uh, and I like when you see that, when they play it out, when they use the medium of cartoon, plus the fact that things don't have to be black and white, that they can have all this shading and still tell it inside that medium. So Tron Uprising, great show. Cool. Uh, oh, and I should mention, uh, you know, there's two novels, too, is um, Night Circus and Among Others, which I was exposed to. Ah, uh, Yes. Yes. Through the good devices of this program. I'm sensing some trends in this episode. Indeed, uh, Night Circus uh, came up with uh, Scott and Wren. It's the one I mention to people when they say, is there anything good I should read? I say Night Circus. And then I usually say, and if you <laughs> like fantasy, try Among, among others. others. It's not exactly fantasy. Because Night Circus is – it's Night Circus is fantasy, but it it's so – for people who might – be wary of reading something that's called fantasy. Night Circus is just a beautiful novel. Right. And it, it's it, it's not that you should, I mean, there's that issue of labels, not that you should avoid things that are fantasy, but there's too many things that are, you know, have the predictable elements of elves and goblins and, you know, demons right. and shadow wars. It's like when you read American Gods and you have to say American Gods by Neil Gaiman. That is fantasy, it is. but it's not the kind of fantasy that you think about when you look at shelves and shelves of yeah. half-clad elf maidens. It's not swords and sorcery. It's not a high fantasy in the you know basically Lord of the Rings vein. It's a very different kind of thing. Yeah, and among others, fits into that too, where it's like this is what magic would be like if magic existed in our world. This is what it would actually be like, as opposed to the sort of fancy la di da di da stuff. No, life is a lot more bloody like that. It's one of the things about Tolkien that you have to like too. I think comes through here. And Joe Walton, the author of Among Others, is so well read that she, you know, brings up that that notion. She was able to take Tolkien like elements, I think, and bring them into the real world where it's bloody and nasty. Um, I also like having read Farthing. I don't didn't like the whole small change series by Joe Walton, but I'm glad I read Farthing and less glad for each successive novel, but very glad to have read Farthing. Yeah, this that's year a good too. one too. Yeah. She was a great find this year. I think for a lot of us is Joe Walton. Any other works strike your fancy or is that, have we covered it? I've been getting back into comic books and dribs and drabs with digital reading, as so many people have. Oh, I, yeah. I think so many people I know who have. Yeah, and it's. It, I think with the 20-year gap for a lot of people, sometimes 30 years, it's like being able to put it on an iPad, not have to cart it around, find the individual stuff. We're paying more for it, but having essentially eternal unbroken, you know, uh, clean access to it seems to be part of the appeal. And so I'm doing a lot more experimenting with what I'm reading. And I got sucked into Suicide Squad, which is so improbable for me. It's such a weird, crazy, violent series in the DC reboot. Um, not the, the original one. I've looked at some of those and I don't didn't like it much. Um, and then I got just sucked into this world of like Harley Quinn, <clears throat> the Joker's squeeze and side quick after the whole crazy Joker stuff that happens which i don't even want to get into it's so unpleasant all that whole batman thing but the oh, yeah. the suicide squad there's just something uh compelling about the 
taking people who are absolutely beyond recovery, they're beyond salvation, although some of them believe they have salvation in front of them, putting them together as this group of like, they have micro bombs implanted in their neck that can be triggered remotely and they have to finish a mission at a time where they just blow up and a government, you know, shadow government agency that controls them and has absolutely no regard for human life whatsoever. They're, they're scum, they're dracon, whatever. And the whole thing I find completely fascinating and it's a sick, it's a sick pleasure. I haven't checked. I read um, the first. I think they had thirteen issues, and I'm not sure if they've done the next series of it yet. But uh, it's a really weird arc of a story. Cool, very cool. I'll check that out. Not not for everyone. Not for the weakest. Cer- certainly sounds like it isn't. But <laughs> but that's a cool that's a cool idea. Uh, any any uh, podcast memories? Any things that you liked uh, on the podcast this year? Was I on a podcast this year? Um, a few. Yes, I do. Well, I you know as as we've already probably spoken about, um, uh, love Hitler, of course, because we talk about him all the time. <laughs> we do. I'm not sure what it is. It's about. strange it, why Hitler keeps coming up because we read those small change books, and Mister Hitler seemed nice in those. And uh, Scott told us a story about uh, reading Mein Kampf on the subway. And, and then we had uh, uh, Let's Quilt Hitler, of we, course, right, the Doctor, because Who Doctor Who met Hitler episode. this year. Yeah. And um, there's something, it's some, there's a sick fascination with Hitler that I think brings him up as a theme is we always want to rewrite history and we can rewrite, we can make things better by turning him into fiction, either making him someone of ridicule or providing a different outcome or what have you. So, Well, somebody, somebody wrote into us and, and claimed that our mentioning of Hitler was, uh, was distasteful because he was so awful. And I, I subscribe to the... Um, the Mel Brooks school, which is uh, the best way to have our revenge on Hitler after all of his uh, misdeeds is to um, mock him and make fun of him as many ways as possible, because then it's impossible to take uh, anything he did seriously. And I think that's good because he was such a criminal. It goes without saying. uh, And I like having that recourse of, uh, of making fun of Hitler and, and basically uh, kicking his gravestone and, and, you know, dancing on his grave. I think that's, uh, I think it's a good thing. I, I agree. There's a, there's a great kids in the hall bit that'll make sense in a second. Why I tell you this, where uh, Dave Foley, it's a very brief bit. He comes out dressed as a woman, as an actress. He's in some award show, and, she, and he says, "Oh, she says, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for this award. I'd like to thank my agent, my mother, honey, you're, and my darling. You're always there for me. I'd like to thank Hitler. Also, I'd like to thank the director. <laughs> boo, boo, boo. What's wrong? What's wrong? And Kevin McDonald comes out and says, "You thanked Hitler. Says, I did not. You thanked Hitler. And it's just just a silly throwaway bit. So when Mel Brooks wins. An award for for the producers. He comes out and he thanks Hitler for being such a crazy guy. And I'm thinking he thanked Hitler. It was just you know some kind of double joke there. But um, well, my memory from this year is that we talked. We got to talk about a lot of uh, now that we're in our going into our third year, third partial year this next year. I think we we did some more meta episodes, which was fun, and talked about you know the hundredth episode. We talked about kids. It was great to talk about how we introduced this material to kids. Um, I think one of my favorite episodes of the year was the game show episode you put together. I think oh, I had a, a little bit of input into that. And um, yes, you helped a lot. You you came up with some of the games, and that was really you and Dan Moore in both, and it was very helpful. I forget if we played. We didn't play Scroll or Cree, did we? I can't remember. But uh, we played a version a version of that. It was Marvel Marvel. Doctor Who or classic sci-fi, I think, but it was basically oh, right. basically that I I I took that and ran with it, and that was a lot of fun. But and you and then you lost. I lost. I know. Well, that's true. We, I was on Team Old Guy, and Team yeah. Old Guy, the young whippersnappers, beat us by. I don't think we had a good Superman defense, so we'll be working on the Superman defense for next time. So that's the game show that you lost this year. 
Lots of game show. And then later, I also enjoyed the game show episode about Glenning, about winning <laughs> Jeopardy. One of, one of about 17 podcasts I've done in which I've talked in part about winning about Jeopardy. Jeopardy. It's fascinating how many podcasters are interested to talk to people who've won Jeopardy. Uh, and yeah, that was, it was a, this was a fantastic year for me. 2012 was a really good Glenn year. And the Jeopardy thing was just so hilarious and fun. And it was great to talk to you all. We did it, you know, secretly after I'd won, but before it had taped, kept it in the vault. Yeah, we did the pre-tape like Jeopardy itself, which tapes way in advance of airing. We we taped, you and me and Steve Lutz, uh, taped an episode, I think a week after you came back from the show. Yeah, and then it just right. sat on my hard drive for a long, for like three months. That's right. That was fun. That was the right way to do it because it was all fresh in my mind. And right. you know, I've written a lot about it and whatever, but it's so funny to be inside a cultural phenomenon where everybody knows about it. So few people relative to who know about it, watch it. They all watched it growing up. And and so few people watch it now. I was I was famous in my in-laws retirement community. Went in there. It was like, hey, you're that guy. You're that guy. Who are you? You're that guy. I saw you on TV this week for about one week. And then... Uh, <laughs> I have not been recognized in public due to the appearance. But the best part is that um, usually it takes six months for them to cut checks from when you tape. This is very traditional. And possibly because of the fiscal cliff, maybe they were being kind to contestants worried about higher tax rates next year. The check actually showed up in December of 2012. So a nice a nice end of the year. One of the things I'm doing in this episode is reading some comments as, as we've been going here. And I saved this one for you. Uh, Colin... Days? Diaz? Boy, I really am like John in my inability to pronounce people's names. And your refusal to practice ahead of time or decide on something ahead of time. Yeah, not going to happen. 10 minutes preparation is all I allow myself. Colin says, I really like the Khan episode and the Jeopardy episode. And this is the key part, Glenn. As a 19-year-old Jeopardy lover, I really enjoyed seeing Glenn on TV and then hearing him talk about it. Uh, I wasn't aware people under the age of 60 watched Jeopardy, <laughs> but Colin is a 19-year-old Jeopardy lover. I thought there was a filter. It actually like did like a retina scan or checked you had to do like tree rings to make sure, to check your telomeres to see if you were, how long they were. I yeah. don't know. Um, no, that's good. It's a, <clears throat> I think it's still a fun show. My son got, uh, older son Ben got obsessed with it for a bit before and after I was on. So we watched months of it together before and after my thing. He's, he's moved on a little bit, but it's, there's something fun about having a time challenged, you know, necessity to answer, answer questions. And I think Jeopardy's big problem, as we talked about, is because they're in syndication, you can't really watch it. It's really an amazing thing that so many people are intrigued by it and cannot actually watch it unless they get broadcast TV on the very night it's yeah. aired or it's gone forever. It's actually a, a, lot like, a lot like sports, even though it's pre-taped. It's a lot yes. like sports. It's not online. You can't subscribe to it. You can't, you, know, you can't get it later. There are no reruns other than the ones on the weekend that are from like a year before. Um, and so for those of us who tried to watch you and found out that uh, there was a football game on instead, we just missed that episode and <laughs> there's no oh, way to, crazy. no way to get it back. It's just, you know, that's so Je- Jeopardy is uh, like live sports. Jeopardy is keeping, keeping the TV industry alive, apparently. The other thing that was funny from that too, is I found out after we did that episode and it aired that it turns out that everyone I know knows someone else who was on Jeopardy at some point in their lives, no matter how distant. So Ben Boychuk, your friend of mine, Ben Boychuk, who's been on this program, he, a uh, buddy of his, uh, uh, so I think it was a Washington, um, 
uh, congressional aide maybe was on not long after I appeared and won a number of episodes huh. two. I think that was who it was. And then there was somebody else. I keep finding people on Twitter who will say, oh, you must know. And it's through a chain of two people. You know, you must know so-and-so was on Jeopardy and we're on months apart. So there's a very strange skein of uh, tech people, people on Twitter People on Facebook who know people who are on Jeopardy. No surprise. But this was – this was uh, the Jeopardy may have been a high point of uh, my personal year, but this was a great year for the podcast. I think we did a lot of very interesting topical work. Uh, we did some some nice standard stuff, and we did some really weird stuff like game shows and a film festival and with, with some German movies in it, thanks to you. And, yeah, we uh, had that great dra- – the Dragon episode was a lot of fun that Lisa Schmeiser and I co-hosted. Right. We talked about the theme of dragons and all the and fantasy and sci-fi and why they keep coming back so much. Yeah, I'm very happy to, uh, to have you guys uh, – there were a few episodes this year that other people hosted, and it's nice. You know, we'll do we'll do more of those. There, there are some episodes where people really suggest really great um, topics, and I think, wow, I I have no knowledge of that at all. And uh, you know, I, I'm happy to have a week off. It's nice. So we'll have to do more of that in the new year. Um, I I've got a, a little list here in the uh, in the greater world. I wanted to mention the Night Circus. I really like that. I read. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether I read among others. Uh, late last year or early this year, but that was that was a favorite. Really like Joe Walton. I was at a Christmas party. Um, my wife works at our local library, and so I uh, I was sitting at a table with seven librarians, um, and the woman next to me uh, asked me what uh, librarian asked me what uh, what I was reading and what stuff that I liked, and it was like there was like a podcast happening at the table. It was kind of hilarious. Um, and I did you I, have people going shh every couple of seconds? Apparently, apparently you went to a party <laughs> with my family. Yeah. So, so exactly. Well, they're your extended family. They're librarians. You're all part of the same library family, right? There are four librarians in my family. <laughs> so I, so I recommended among others to her, and, and she said, "I haven't read that, but but have you read?" And it was Scott. It was. Have you read the book of hers? Where it's dragons who wear hats. <laughs> and uh-huh. I said, "No, I haven't." But it's on my list now because it's been recommended to me. So, and she also actually recommended Altered Carbon, which Dan and Scott, I think, both recommended mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And, I like and, and, and I read that, although I would, I, it was fine. But, but uh, Joe Walton, so I'd say, is 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 on my list of things I like this year. And I, I I'd say, you know, TV wise, the 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 thing that engrossed me the most was Game of Thrones. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. I think. That was the one that I keep coming back to as, as you know, I, I, well, and that's an HBO show, so there's no commercials. So basically, as soon as it's on, you, you watch it. If, if, you know, within like half an hour of it beginning to air, we were watching it. It wasn't something that you'd put on the DVR for a few days later when you got to it. That was appointment TV, and there isn't a lot of that these days. Um, in terms of the show... Uh, the, this fine, fine, high quality uh, podcast that that you're listening to now, I liked our. Uh, I liked us talking about kids stuff. I liked the movies for kids episode and the kids have bad taste episode. I thought it was uh, kind of fun to get the perspective of parents about how. Yeah, we got uh, to do more of that actually, considering so many of us, ninety percent of our life is consumed by kids. It seems yeah. like that's <laughs> kind of a no brainer. Sure, and it could save time because then you know we already are investing that time and in thinking about that stuff. So. And Dan, could you like borrow a kid like you that you did with the PlayStation? you know just for a little while and then you can come on the show he's got his young cousins right i do and in fact we're this this year i had a talk with their their dad my cousin who about uh showing them star wars for the first time so i think that will be an interesting experience now how did you guide them uh read the prequels they know nothing they know nothing these kids like i mean their parents don't really watch a lot of television and stuff like that so they are pretty unexposed to that kind of stuff all right 
Um, oh, so they're like the homeschooled kids. You're getting close. You're getting I mean, close. they go to school, but they're not. Oh, they're okay. not. They're young enough that they haven't quite gotten that whole like peer group level thing yet. Uh, I I wanted to mention we we did two live episodes. So we did the Singleton episode with uh, where Lex hadn't seen it, and we also did one at, at MacWorld Expo. I thought that Lex was kind of hasn't seen it. I I I, uh, I thought it was kind of fun to do episodes in front of a live audience. I was surprised that there were dozens of people in both venues who actually didn't just walk out while we were talking and stayed and listened to us talk. Most of them were just resting between panels, though. Yeah, they were very tired. At Macworld Expo, you know, they just, you're just trying to find a seat. At Singleton, they were drunk. <laughs> and also, I enjoyed, they were, it was the afternoon and they were already quite drunk. Um, I also enjoyed, we did the, our Game of Thrones Season 2 episode in San Francisco uh, with John in per, in person in the studio along with... That was a lot of fun. Dan and and... Was it Dan and Ren and John? yeah, and we and we dialed in and we Monty. dialed in Monty. Um, so that was fun. Live, to do. not in front of a studio audience. It, it was yeah, but it was fun to do a, an episode uh, with John in <laughs> it person. It's much better than the previous San Francisco episode. <laughs> that was Stephen Fry. That's, Stephen we, Fry we mustn't episode. speak of it. Must uh, have forgotten it. about it until this uh, very audience. Uh, that was a you. very warm, small room. <laughs> yes, yes. The film festival episode. That you know, again, I think that was that was great. Just like we should do a crazy draft episode series every year because, uh, just like the TV draft the year before, I thought that was great. Um, the game show. I had a, fun, a lot of fun time putting that together. It was great to talk to Jonathan Colton. Sorry, John. <laughs> um, and uh, I just had that moment where I was. Uh, we were talking about that episode, and I thought it wouldn't it be funny if Jonathan Colton came on at the end and and did the Annie Hall thing. And I asked Merlin Mann if you know he could get me in touch with Jonathan Colton, and he said yes. And I ended up talking to Jonathan Colton for twenty minutes. It was actually pretty cool. Um, like the hundredth episode and. Uh, and uh, I like that we had some new words this year. Um, we learned about Greg Noss told us about gaze box. I <laughs> <laughs> I recall he had men hairs in his and gaze box. Men hairs were in his gaze box. Gaze yes. box, of course. Which I mean, they make a wax for that now. He thought a gazebo was obviously a typographical error. And it probably was short for gaze box, which is a box you stand in and then gaze out. Was that this year? Really? That was this year. Holy! Cow. I think I missed that one. That's pretty. That's pretty. The, great. the text adventure episode, that gaze box, um, monster, which is a monster who is your mentor. Which Scott, we uh, in our discussions of the drowned cities and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, shipbreaker monster is your is he's he's a monster, but he's also your mentor. And of course, frenemesis, someone who is both your friend and your nemesis. Why can't it be both? So those are our three words of the year that we've introduced to to humanity. You're welcome, humanity. That's right. Look for them in next year's OED. And there'll be a children's book that Greg Noss and I are working on called There's a Monster in My Gaze Box. <laughs> and other stories of frenemesis. Yes. The frenemesis cycle. Yes, book one. The monster in the gaze box. I think Lex has already written that, actually. Well, oh, while while he was not on the show, he just wrote so. that. I have yes. a Kemmer in my gaze box. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take credit for that word. That was Ursula Le Guin, but yes. Uh, and I want to make a New Year's resolution, which is that uh, in I, I can't promise we'll do all of them, but in 2013, we will at least cover... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here it comes. A Star Wars prequel. Oh, episode now one. you're wishing the world ended, aren't you? Episode one. That's my <laughs> dun, that, dun, dun. that's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> yeah, it'll be scheduled right between March 31st and April 2nd. <laughs> yeah. That might be fitting. I prefer the prequels. 
also looking forward to 2013. Yes. We do we do potentially have a Comic Con get together coming up. So Is that what so I'm hearing. Steve lives in San Diego, so it's really easy for you. And I am going. Oh, sure. I am going to Comic Con, and if we can get some other people there, it is not that easy for me to face that the stench of. Well, that's uh, true. <laughs> the San Diego Convention <laughs> that, Center. That is true. I actually put an application in for a for a press pass. I have right. sincerely doubt they will give me one, but <laughs> honestly, though, whether I go to Comic Con or not, the stench will get to me because it does the the uh, the afternoon breeze from the ocean Swaths does it up, carry right? it pretty yeah. much all over the county. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice. But I will say, if I get a, if I get a pass, I will go. All right. We call it Flop Sweat August, actually. Yeah. Around here, we have May Gray, uh, and then the August Flop Sweat. Yep. The the scent of nerds. Mmm. The smell of it. But uh, we may do that. Yes, we may have a get together at at. Uh, well, at the very least, Steve, you and I will go to Carl Strauss's and and drink beer. Uh, we'll go. We'll definitely. We should do our long-awaited uh, beer tasting episode. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll bring my microphone. There are, there's a lot more than uh, Carl Strauss that we can travel to now. There are many, many a tasting room that we can uh, visit in the Mira Mesa area alone. <laughs> and you think that these episodes go off the rails. Oh, it'll be a good one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that'll be, uh, yeah, that'll be out of control. Well, this has been great. We have, uh, we, we, have, we have talked about the past and look forward to the future. Uh, and I'd like to thank my lovely guests for closing out another year of The Incomparable uh, you know, it's fun to do this podcast. Uh, I say that even when I'm in the depths of editing despair sometimes on the weekend. Uh, but, it, you know, it wouldn't be any good if it was just me sitting here saying uh, things about the book that I just read. It's all because of the uh, I'm fortunate to have a lot of very smart and funny and interesting friends who are willing to be on this ridiculous podcast. So And also me. And also, Steve. damn it, Steve took my line. <laughs> so, so thank you. So, well, now you you wait for it, wait for it. So, I'd like to thank Lex Aww. Friedman, Andy Blanco, Monty <laughs> Ashley, M Night Shyamalan. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> but sadly, they couldn't be here. So instead, I'll thank these guys who were on. Their world ended three hours ago. So. John Syracusa, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jason. I, I treasure my little award that. Uh, Again, yeah, are we not podcast. going to talk about the major award that was won this yeah, year? Yeah, we th- that's oh, something that no, happened this we, year. We won an we award. Got an award. Yeah, and that's the yeah. only time I like I last time I got a trophy I think it was like in soccer when I was in kindergarten <laughs> and, then, and then there was a big gap and now finally podcasting award. That's right. No, that's uh you're right and Greg Noss was actually kind enough to to purchase uh that was incredibly generous. Greg did that. Everybody, Greg Aww. did that. Because right. I didn't think sweet. I wanted it, but now that I have it, now that I realize that was the hole in my life that was missing. I can't. Im- I can't imagine life without it. Yeah, that's yeah. It's, it looks great on top of my piano. If I had known it was shaped like a star, a star-like colon polyp, I would probably have <laughs> ordered one to begin with. It looks kind of like the more you know from the uh, you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Which it is, is actually sitting on top of my piano next to a little Buddha. Most appropriate place I could think of. For you got to keep stay centered. Yeah, keep it all in perspective. Let it, don't let it go to your head. Then for a good buddy. Yeah. So so uh, thank you. That was all part of me thanking John. By the way, thank you, Dan Morin. Someday I will be somebody's favorite moment. I cross my fingers. Some next year I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up my Aww. game. Okay, Dan, you know you're my favorite moment. Oh, Steve. Oh, <laughs> now I gotta come to San Diego. That's right. Hug it up, precious moment. <laughs> <laughs> Scott McNulty, wow. thank you as always. Oh, it's my pleasure. And when when they do an incomparable movie, I hope I'm played by John Goodman.
It's Tom Hanks all the way down. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Tom, I'm like, Tom Hanks is like uh, a quarter of my size in all respects. <laughs> He'll wear padding. In all respects? <laughs> a lot. In all respects, yeah. All of them. And lifts <laughs> and a Hawaiian shirt. That's right. And then it'll be indistinguishable from you. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you very much for being here and all of your contributions this year. Thanks. I had a great time talking with you guys. And Serenity Caldwell, thank you. Goodbye. Farewell. To another year. Goodbye. Baby New Year is about to come in the door. Aw. Uh, we have to axe 2012. It's done. It's gone. Use, totally axed. Used up. Glenn Fleischman, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And, uh, of course, Steve Lutz, uh, creator of 2011's favorite incomparable moment. And, of course, through hindsight from 2012's clip show about 2011, I guess 2012's favorite moment. Loophole. That's right. That's right. When, so well when done, we get to sir. the point where the entire clip show episode is recursion back down to the 2011 <laughs> clip show episode, that's when it's time to end this podcast. Or possibly tomorrow at 3 a.m. Good point. It's hard to say. Yeah. Who knows? We, only the listeners know for sure. They don't know. That's it for us. We hope that the world doesn't end and we can come back in 2013 for more episodes of The Incomparable. Uh, until then, this is Jason Snell signing off. Uh, good night, goodbye, good luck, and farewell, people of Earth. Here's a final Easter egg. This is one of my other favorite things from 2012. Mike Dole is an incomparable podcast listener, and he listens with his son and daughter. So one night, Mike leaves home to go out to dinner with his wife. And as parents sometimes discover, when they come home, their children have done something unexpected. And in this case, what their children did is record their own podcast in the style of The Incomparable. Uh, I can't tell you how flattered we all were by uh, Mike's kids making this podcast. It was really great, and who knows, maybe in 2013 we'll have them on to The Incomparable. That would be pretty cool. Welcome to a podcast that's about well, two kids who are discussing things that they've read or seen recently. Oh, we're the topic today is the Princess Bride. So, Matthew, uh, the Princess Bride, a beloved film. Everyone that I know loves this movie. You? I actually asked my friend Jonah about this, and he said that it sounds like a chick flick. Which it kind of does, don't you think? Yeah, a little. How do you pronounce his name? Carrie Elvis? Carrie Elvis? Carrie Elvish. Why is he not in Lord of the Rings? You're just copying Glenn now, aren't you? No. <laughs> Scoot over. And the, um... And then, lightning, the lightning sand. <laughs> in the book, it's called Snow Sand. It's like, in the book, we actually um get to know what it's like to be in there. And it's like... It's called Snow Sand in the book, and it's, like, suffocating forever. And it's, like, you never fully su suffocate until you do. And it's terrible. You get it in your eyes and your mo nose and mouth. It's terrible. And your ears.
think mom and dad are home. Should we? Hold on. Uh, we're we are headed. Let's pause now because this is way too long. Yeah. No. So, see you next time on the... Part two of the Princess Bride podcast. On the podcast I haven't named yet. That's it. Happy New Year, everyone.